to any American, Republican, Democrat, left, right, conservative, liberal, it should be atrocious to any American that we would take tens of millions of dollars, taxpayer dollars, by the way, that was allocated to care for our veterans, knowing there's thousands of backlogs for veteran cases and reallocate that money to illegal immigrant immigrants that that uh, invaded our country. It, it, I can't think of anything that should be more that should be more consensus on than that. Like I don't understand how anyone would not know this is this is wrong. All right, it is Wednesday. This is the Sean Spicer Show. We are kicking off 2024 with a bang. We have a great show coming your way today. Tomorrow, by the way, Congressman Chip Roy of Texas. He's been very outspoken about what's happening on the border. 60 of his colleagues are down there in Texas today. We're going to get his take. But also, he's in Iowa. What's happening on the ground in Iowa? Why does he think Ron DeSantis is going to do very well? We'll break it down with him today. By the way, big news on the home front. Uh, Harvard's President Claudine Gay, she's out. She got caught plagiarizing more and more things, that whole anti-Semitic ramble in front of Congress. But of course, she's blaming it on what? Racism. That's right. It's racist. And the Politico and the media folks are saying that it's conservatives that led this charge, uh, not the fact that she screwed all this up. Plus, if you're keeping your eyes out for that Jeffrey Epstein list of who was on his plane going to his island, well, we're going to have to wait another 30 days. The court ruling that we're going to wait 30 more days. But today... Chad Robicho, a former Marine Corps Force Recon soldier, uh, has got a great, great op-ed out. He's telling us why he thinks the military problems in recruiting are the fault of this administration. He's going to break it all down for us. He's the founder of the Mighty Oaks Foundation. Let's kick it off with Chad. Chad, good to see you. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. So you got this op-ed out. Biden's administration military recruiting and retention crisis is a self-inflicted wound. Here's how to reverse course. So let's let's start at the first part of what you're saying. Uh, I mentioned before you got on, Army, Navy, Air Force all missed their recruiting goals. Uh, Army is at their smallest man uh, uh, end strength since the 1940s. Uh, you start, let's just start with the first part of the premise in this op-ed, you said it's a self-inflicted wound. What have they done to inflict uh, the wound that is causing this? Well, you remember why young young men and women joined the military? They're they're young patriots who want to serve our nation and protect our national security, and uh, and and they're not interested in joining the military for woke policies and 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 these type of things that are being pushed on them. They want to go train to be war fighters. Uh, the COVID vaccine. Uh, kept them out of, kept many of our service members out of the field, out of training, and uh, and 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 uh, all these young young men and women that want to re reenlist to do their job that they raised their hand to do, they just were not incentivized to do it. So not only is it did they get hurt on the on the recruiting side, but they were hurt with the reenlistment side and just seeing a a, a very large reduction in, in reenlistment. Now uh, I think the recruiting overall right now we're at a thirty percent reduction in recruiting uh, as per uh, two. Two years prior, uh, that's the lowest since since Vietnam, and uh, and the recruiters are struggling with the number that we don't really see. That's that's uh, that's more scary than anything else. Is that these considerations of being thirty percent down? Uh, that's considering that they've drastically reduced two things that impact our national security. One is the reduction in, in size, so we've shrank uh, our military is, is shrinking. They're reducing numbers, and and so they're still even with that thirty percent. That's based on redu reduced numbers. And secondly, is the reduction of quality. Uh, I go all around the all around the nation and speak to our active duty troops, 
And one of the things that they're that these commanders are dealing with is a reduction in quality, lowering standards for the entry entry into the military. Yeah, and speak so to that just for a second, because it, it's not just what are the for people who don't know. Talk to me about what are the standards that that have gone down on what what side of the coin, if you will. Well, I mean, there's there's a when you join the military, it's just like getting a job anywhere else. There's a background check. You have to be interviewed. Uh, you have to have meet certain physical physical fitness requirements. Uh, your background has to be you know pretty to get in the military. It should be pretty clean. Uh, you should have to have a pretty clean record as far as criminal activity. Uh, and, and, uh, and then, uh, the academic standard, you take what's called the ASVAB test and that qualifies you for different jobs. All those things are being, are being lowered and, 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 um, including criminal activity. And, uh, and it was very hard uh, just two, three years ago. It's very difficult to get in the military. Demand to get in the military was, 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 uh, high. And, uh, now we're seeing, uh, that reduction in, in interest in being in, in being in the military. So they have to lower the standards in order to get people. And, yeah, uh, and I noticed so that the, the physical standards have also started to take a hit. You see more and more people uh, getting waivers to come in for health and physical related uh, issues. Yeah, I mean, at, down at Marine Corps boot camp, you know, the recruits are, are getting sent down there because the recruiters are lowering their standards. And then now the drill instructors have to have to deal with uh, getting these kids in shape that it's not a, a goal that, it, you know, the Marine Corps boot camp is 13 weeks. They have 13 weeks to get someone that can't do a pull up up to, you know, being able to do a minimum of five, a max, a maximum of 22, uh, you know, they, uh, that that's putting a job on the recruit on the drill instructors that are just unattainable. And so these, these kids are entering the, the fleet and the Marine Corps and all the other branches of service, just not quite, uh, ready to do the job that our nation needs them to do. Let's not forget what the military does. Uh, right. you know, like we forget sometimes what the military actually does It's to, uh, to, to fight off our enemies, you know, foreign and domestic and, and make sure that, uh, America's safe. And protect our national security. So we want the uh, most physically fit, most mentally sharp uh, warriors that we could have on the battlefield. All right, folks, are you looking to secure your financial future? I know I was, right? You've got real estate, maybe some stocks, a bunch of other things, a 401k, an IRA. But how are financial metals part of that? Because you look at the price of gold, the price of silver, so many of the other precious metals, how they've done over time, it's a smart bet. And the folks at Bishop Gold Group can sit down with you and talk to you about how to convert an IRA, a 401, whatever it is, just make it part of your planning. I did it. I sat down. I talked to them about what made sense for me. I got precious metals as part of my portfolio now. And here's the thing. You can keep them. They can keep them. You will sit down with the folks at Bishop Gold Group and come up with a plan that's right for you, depending on how much you have, what you want, where you want to store it. Whenever you're ready to cash it in, you call them back and say, hey, here's what I have. I need to cashed it out. They'll make that happen. That's the beauty. These are folks that I know, that I trust, that I talk to. So if you want to join me, then go to bishopgoldgroup.com slash Sean. You get a special promotion for kicking off your journey to financial freedom uh, and diversification with Bishop Gold Group and Precious Metals. Or you can call 844-984-1616. But go to bishopgoldgroup.com slash Sean to see how you can make Precious Metals part of your financial freedom journey. Thanks. It's funny, I always tell people, it's not a social experiment. We're not here. Uh, this is not an HR company where we're trying to figure out how to, it's, it's literally, as you put it, to defend the country. Um, from enemies, foreign and domestic, to people when we face threats, the military answers the call. You've, you're under a system of justice, the Uniform Code of Military Justice. You don't have the right to go, yeah, tomorrow doesn't work. Tuesday's not that good for me. Uh, that's what you're signing up for. You miss holidays and birthdays. You go on deployments. Um, 
that's what you've signed up for. It's not a social experiment. Uh, and I think too many people, especially those who haven't served, don't fully appreciate that you're not joining this thing. There's physical standards, there's academic standards, there are lifestyle standards that you can and cannot do certain things uh, as a military member versus a civilian, but you've you've willingly chosen that. Yeah, and then look, you have to consider too the mental health of, uh, I mean, when you don't have mental and spiritual readiness to go out and, and do that war fighting, like a lot of these people that we see in the military right now have, uh, there's going to be repercussions to that. And uh, if you're not fit, uh, you know, physically, mentally, spiritually to do that job, there's going to be repercussions to that. And at Mighty Oaks Foundation, that's what we do. We help people in the back end. Uh, our VA has proven it's not capable of, of doing that job. You know, thankfully, there's VSOs, uh, veteran service organizations like Mighty Oaks in the back end. But, you know, it's going to be much worse when we put people in that aren't mentally and physically, uh, spiritually resilient. You know, it's funny. I mean, you, you look at the world that we face now and you addressed a little of this in your op-ed, but the, the bottom line is between what's happening in Ukraine, Iran being provocative, North Korea being provocative, China clearly being provocative. You would think from a military standpoint, we would want to be upping that, upping the requirements, making sure that we are, our folks are better trained, are better equipped, are more ready. And yet, we're going in the opposite direction. I don't know that that sends the strongest signal to our adversaries. No, it doesn't. Well, I mean, you, you first, you're right, but you're right from the perspective that you, you care about winning. Uh, we have to care about winning first. That's right. And, uh, and, and I, you know, I'm not sure that we have an administration right now that cares about winning. They just care about- uh, Is it just the administration, Chad, or do you think the American- I mean, there's days when I feel like, you know, getting back to my point about social experiment, um, I, I, I wonder if people- especially a lot of folks on the left these days fully appreciate that without freedom, um, you know, and I, I look at the number of people who are siding with Hamas now in America, and I'm thinking to myself, I see these signs, queers for Hamas, and I'm thinking, dummy, there, there's no such thing as queers for Hamas. They'll kill you. Um, I don't think that people fully appreciate the freedoms that they have in this country, the role the military has in protecting it and advancing that freedom uh, around the globe. No, you're right. You know, there's there's the the saying that uh, that that uh, strong men create a, a weak society, and weak society creates strong men, and, and you know the the cycle that goes goes around. Uh, you know, right now I think we we coming out of a of a cycle that we had some strong men that created a, a weak society, and uh, and now these these weak people are, are making decisions. Uh, for the for this country that puts us in a in a jeopardizing position. Our our Young men and women that are around the world right now are, are definitely in places that they probably shouldn't be uh, doing things that we shouldn't be involved in. And, uh, and, and we've lost the trust. I think the military culture and the historical military culture has lost the trust in uh, the direction that we're going to go militarily. And so the repercussion of that is seeing these uh, generational families that participate in the military. For example, my family has 84 years of service. Uh, now, both my sons are Marines. Uh, one of them is still serving. Uh, but... I have so many friends, uh, particularly in the special operations community, have multi-generational uh, families serving in those communities that won't uh, encourage their sons to enlist. I have a well, friend right now who's a third-generation SEAL. He trained his son the whole, his whole life to be a SEAL. He's ready to go, and he's like, they called it off. They're like, I just don't have the confidence to put my son in that position. I, I, I want to get back to that in a second because there's a bigger point that I think you're making that I want to touch on. But you said something about there are things that the military is doing that they shouldn't be. Can you give me an example? Well, I mean, um, 
I think I think being in places like uh, being in places like 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 in Syria and places like like that, the position we're going to have. Uh, I, I'm not saying strategically we shouldn't be in those places, but the decisions that are being made uh, and how we are in those places uh, is is what makes our troops at risk. Afghanistan is a perfect example. We we left Bagram Air Force Base, the most strategic right. place in the globe, between Iraq, Iran, Russia, and China. We fought for that base to say that we needed to get America's sons and daughters out of war. Well, there was twenty five hundred troops there at one point, forty four thousand at the time of the withdrawal. We have eighty thousand in in in, uh, in in Japan and 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 forty thousand Germany and thirty five thousand South Korea protecting that 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 border, that thirty eighth parallel. These things prevent wars. So now we pull out our strong strategic uh, our strong strategic military location. With all, where all our allies were participating in this global war on terrorism to keep the terrorism at bay, supporting advising the Afghan National Army, we pull that away, and 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 then we put our troops in places again like like Syria and Southeast Asia in places that we don't have that that strong uh, military contingent anymore. Right. So it's not so much of, of us putting the military in places that we shouldn't be, uh, as far as weakening our, our foothold in the world. The way we when we do go, we go with strength and we go to win. And we're uh, and we're not going to be bullied. Uh, this is where you know our troops are being put at risk by these just poor decisions. You know, you mentioned your son and the son of that seal uh, who trained his whole say, trained his son his whole life to be a seal, and now it doesn't. It's amazing to me. I mean, when we talk about recruiting failures, the number one place that we get recruits are from families and of of people who have served. If we like, lose that pipeline, if we lose that pipeline, we're screwed. How wh- how do we reverse that trend? How do we get uh people like you, people who who have served to get their sons and daughters. Now, I know you have two sons in the Marine Corps. One Hayden is out. I want to get to his story in just a second because I think there's a specific policy in that case. But the yeah. question is more large, like how do we stop from the spigot getting turned off of people who are serving, discouraging their son or daughter from joining. Well, I think it's like any in, in any relationship is trust. Like you have to, you have to have trust. We have to, for me, like I want to trust that the commander in chief is going to make decisions that, uh, that, you know, hard decisions sometimes, sometimes decisions that'll put my, my son's life at risk because that's what's required of the United States military, but decisions that are made strategically for the best interest of our country, not, not politically, uh, not you know financially, but for the best interest of, of the country and our, and and uh, maintaining freedom around the world, or protecting people in a way that you know from a position of humanity. Humanity sometimes you know Americans have to protect people around the world or can't protect themselves. Uh, we're okay with those those risks and decisions, but they have to be made uh, for the right reasons, and we have to regain trust. And the American people across the board, you know, the military, our military strategy is one of them. We we need a, a we need a, a, a re earning of, of trust from our leadership in our country and uh you know that's been lost. All right, folks, longtime listeners to the show are going to know about Delta Rescue, DeltaRescue.org, the largest no kill sanctuary in the world. It was founded by my friend Leo Grillo, and Leo basically one day found a Doberman that was in need of serious help and nutrition. He rescued that. Doberman. He named the Doberman Delta. Delta stands for dedication and everlasting love to animals. It's become Leo's mission and what Delta Rescue does every single day for all sorts of animals. Go to deltarescue.org. Take a look at the videos and the material there. They rely solely on our 
contributions. If you're an animal lover, go check out deltarescue.love.org and tell me that you just can't see how what great work they do and why we should be helping them. Um, I've rescued three dogs myself. I know what it's like uh, to go out there and help them. This is a no-kill sanctuary for life. It's a mission for them. And they rely solely on our contributions. So five, 10, 100 bucks, whatever you can give is super helpful. But more importantly, Leo wants to make this an enduring cause, something that we don't have to worry about just funding month to month, year to year, forever to make sure that the work of Delta Rescue lives on. They've got an estate planning package on their website, deltarescue.org. Aside from the videos and all the testimonials, go check out that estate planning guide and see if you can make it part of your enduring mission when you pass to make Delta Rescue part of your estate planning. Check it out, download it. It's all free. They can help you walk through it. Please visit deltarescue.org. If you're an animal lover like me, you're going to want to do this. Thank you. So, so let me read a little from your op-ed. It says, even as our own government's leadership is largely to blame for the troop readiness crisis, their attempted solutions are almost laughable. Woke partisan leadership forced out well-trained, healthy, and productive service members at all levels and in all branches through authoritarian directives regarding experimental medical treatments based on political ideology instead of science and healthcare. But now the reigning narrative has changed and the troop readiness situation has become dire. They are scrambling to entice those discharged members, service members back. My own son, Hayden Robichaux, was among those forced out with more than 80 years of military service spanning four generations of your family. He felt called to serve with the legacy ended in 2022. So what this is obviously in response to the COVID-19 vaccine mandate that the military instituted that now they are sending a letter to folks like your son and saying, hey, um, why don't you send a letter and we'll, we'll change your status to, from other than honorably discharged to just, you know, honorably discharged. Now we're going to try to make this right with you. Uh, what do you think of how this is being handled and what is this going to do to maybe get some of these folks back? Well, so, so in Hayden's case, uh, Hayden, Hayden did accept going back, but he was not offered to change his discharge. So the discharge stood, um, and you know, for him, he wanted, he wanted to be honorably discharged. So he went back to serve. Uh, so they was that not the deal? Was that the deal? Hey, if you come back, uh, then when you get out again, now nah, there's no deal. They didn't, they didn't offer any deal. It's just the opportunity to serve again. And, uh, you know, he wants to serve and, and, you know, made the decision, you know, he and his wife and talked to me and some of our peers here at mighty Oaks, you know, uh, Ian Hunter who's sitting right next to me is, you know, a 20 year retired charge major. He had a lot of good consultation and just said, I want to serve again. And, uh, but there was no deal. Like he wasn't going to, they didn't, that's why I say that some of this laughable, you should come, if the DOD knows they made a mistake with this and they're trying to recruit, they come back, should come back and say, hey, we're going to make this right. We're going to read, we're going to give you your honorable discharge because we made a mistake here and we would love you to come back and serve. I mean, uh, you know, his case might mean that'd be the same for everyone, but he, when he got discharged, he had graduated, uh, got meritorious, promoted at boot camp, got an honor graduate out of his MOS school, was getting put for meritorious corporal. And then immediately when he said he would not take that vaccine, you know, he was demonized. When he turned in his, when he turned, when he checked out, they made him turn in everything, his PT gear, his socks, anything that said Marine Corps on it to humiliate him. And, uh, and now to come back in, you know, he has to buy all those things again. They, so they are not going either way. And this is a problem. And, and luckily, by the way, I'm, I'm not bashing some of the Marine Corps leadership in this because some of the Marine Corps leadership is right there with me. And I'm, and I'm, I'm using this to tell them like, Hey, just so you know, you're trying to get people back in, but 
they took everything from them, including their socks. And now these young kids are having to come back in and buy this. Like if maybe if we're going to do this, let's do it the right way. Let's do it respectful and it's actually petty. welcome these guys back. I mean, it's pretty petty. It's petty. Yeah. It's, 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 it was meant to punish them uh, because they would not play along with the vaccine mandate. So, so this gets back to the nut of the op-ed that you wrote, which is these guys continue to bungle this. They, they are at a recruiting low. They have an opportunity to maybe get some of these folks that they got pushed out back, but instead of trying to wrong a right, they're still not getting it right. They're not. And uh, like I said, I can't speak for all branches of service with the Marine Corps. I'm able to help. Uh, and, and, uh, cause I know some really good people there that the, the Colonel that's, that's over manpower and staffing, amazing human being. He wants to do the right thing. Uh, and, and one of the commanding generals, I won't mention his name, but these, they're just some really good people that want to do the right thing. Uh, you know, they're working against an administration that, you know, forced this policy on them. And, and it was a, it was a unlawful, uh, because this was not a, this was not an FDA approved vaccine. So it was right. an unlawful order. Not to mention the fact that they, they, claimed that there were all these exceptions, religious exceptions, et cetera. And yet I know in Hayden's case, he went all the way up to SECNAT, Secretary of the Navy. And and the, I don't know a single person. I don't know a single person. I can only tell you anecdotally what I know from the Navy standpoint, who actually got a waiver, not one. No, it was a blanket, it was a blanket, uh, which also is illegal, right? It, a religious exemption has to be individually handled on a one-on-one -on -one basis. Uh, there was, it was, it was a blanket, uh, same statement, same language for everyone. And, uh, and, and a, the, the bl a blanket result, which was discharge. Not only so was it other discharge, but it, 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 on the other denial of discharge, it was a commission of a serious offense for not following a lawful order. So that, and that for people who don't go that, that affects your ability to get a, for future employment, et cetera. Yeah. Any, anytime. And, and not only that, you know, he had a pregnant wife at the time, uh, so it affected his livelihood at the at, at the moment. It affects your ability for employment. It affects your benefits that you're going to get from the military. I mean, a lot of people join the military knowing that, hey, I'm going to serve a country, but I'm going to get benefits uh, affected, all those things. But more more importantly than anything, anything to me and my family, it affected his ability to serve. He has a right to serve uh, our, our nation. And, and right now, what we're talking about recruiting, uh, we, we should be thankful that we have young men and women who, who want to exercise their right to serve our nation. Uh, and, and I mean, now more than ever and to, to disqualify those people for that and, and, and not welcome them back, you know, in the way that we should knowing that, I mean, they're acknowledging they made a mistake and just, uh, you know, minimizing the way they welcome them back as a, uh, you know, they're shooting themselves on the foot here. So, so beyond the COVID policy, what other policies do you think are affecting recruiting and retention? And I think morale. a lot of, well, I think, I think morale is, uh, morale and recruiting attention are really affected by the, uh, the, the transgender stuff, the equity, uh, stuff, the, the equity diversity classes that they're having to get They're They're focused more on these things than they are on, you know, some, some units are focused more on these things than they are on, on war fighting. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's eye rolling, right? When you, when you're a young 20 year old, guy who joined the Marine Corps infantry and, and you want to go out there and, and shoot guns and blow stuff up and, and run up mountains and, uh, and train for war. And you have to sit, sit in a, in a class learning uh, what pronouns you need to be, able to be using to address your, you know, your teammates. This is a, you know, not the military that people raise their hand and signed up for. And do and you think that that's, I mean, it's interesting because the Marine Corps is the one 
branch that isn't having uh, the same recruiting problems on, and at least at the same scale that the other services are. I, it's interesting to me anyway, I feel it's though because the, the Marine Corps ethos is still that sort of, hey, you're coming here, you're, you're coming to serve, you're coming to fight, you're coming to be ready and trained. They're not, they, they of all of the services are less, um, trying to play into that messaging of inclusion and DEI, et cetera. Yeah. I mean, the Marine Corps was the last, I think the last strong stronghold. And, uh, although General Berger as, as a commandant, you know, he really, he really made some poor decisions that really disappointed a lot of leadership in the Marine Corps. I mean, he had first Marine Corps combat ever that had other commandants coming, you know, doing open letters, uh, you know, multiple signatures and open letters to him for the, some of the decisions he made for the Marine Corps. But you still have amazing people in, you know, com, uh, commanding general, uh, Walker field is, is over Marine Corps recruiting. And this is a, one of the most phenomenal human beings, uh, and, and Marine Corps leaders that, that I've ever known. And he's just, he, he's just on top of this. He's like, we're, we're going to meet our numbers. We're going to get the right, we're going to deliver to the American people, uh, a, a, a core of, of war fighters that's going to be ready to, you know, defend all, defend all enemies for domestic and defend our nation. And he's, he's just like, so focused on that job and takes it so seriously uh, that um, I think that's why you see it in the Marine Corps. Now, I can't speak for the other branches. I don't know the leaders uh, of those areas and other branches, but the Marine Corps, you know, has held, held strong. However, they're, they're forced to implement some of these policies that, and, uh, and, you know, guys like the CG has to deal with that. And he has to, he has to try to meet recruiting goals in spite of those policies that's being forced on him. You know, for, for people who get into, the military and want to serve 20 years or more, they're going to face multiple uh, administrations, right? I, well, I got in, Bill Clinton was the president uh, and then George Bush and I mean, Barack Obama and, and very little changed. Um, how much do you think has changed under this administration when it comes to the policies that you're referring to specifically? Well, it began under president, I mean, the radical change changes began under President Obama, uh, and you could talk about things like religious freedom at Mighty Oaks Foundation. One of the things that we are privileged to do is be able to share spiritual resiliency programs with our troops. In fact, we've been able to do that for over a half million active duty troops on base around the world. And the reason we are stepping into that gap and doing that is because the chaplaincy has been so hamstrung. Uh, a lot of people don't know, but since 1776, every service member was given a, a Bible uh, when they when they joined the military until 2009 when president obama took that away and uh and you know people wonder why you know our, our resiliency has, has dwindled i think it's decisions like this that has that that's caused that but um but you can go from that point on the cultural side of the military all the way to the the operational side when you look at rules of engagement and in my book saving aziz i really broke out the rules of engagement under under uh you know four different presidents in, in afghanistan when you had uh when you had president bush's uh from 2000 and from 2001 to his uh, in, in 2008, how many how many people were how many U.S. service members were killed and injured on the battlefield under his rules of engagement? And I couldn't quote the numbers offhand; I wasn't prepared to do that. But they're they're in my book, and it's it's crazy to to say uh, uh, I, I, the difference that happened when President Obama came in and uh, changed those rules of engagement. I, I'm, again, I don't want to quote the numbers exactly, but it went from something like uh, like uh, 200 deaths and, and 400 injured on the battlefield to, to like seven 17,000 injured on the battlefield. Uh, and then 
and then President uh, President Trump comes in, and it goes down to like uh, fifty eight. <laughs> after he dropped that mob, it was over, right? So the and, and the rules, but the rules of engagement are, are huge. So what tr- the, for those that don't know what rules of engagement are, it's our rules that we're allowed to engage in in war fighting. So if I'm on a battlefield, right, one president might say, uh, I, I can't, if I see a, a bad guy with an with a RPG, a rocket propelled grenade launcher on the roof of this house, can I engage him or can I not? One president will say no. The other president will say yes, based on the rules of engagement that are pushed down onto us. And so the rules of engagement that changed during these four administrations really show the difference in, uh, in, in uh, the deaths and injuries of our troops. So those kind of things drastically impact people's morale in serving, right? Do I feel like I'm supported? Am I going to be able to defend myself and defend my friends to my right and my left, defend the people I'm sent there to defend? Or am I going to be hamstrung by the government? Am I going to be prosecuted by a lawyer because I did something that I thought would save my life? Right. Uh, this is huge on, on troop, troop morale and the ability to uh, maintain uh, troop readiness through reenlistments. I mean, because you got to think, like, somebody goes through four years, four years and serving in a place like Singh in Afghanistan, knocks out, like, four deployments in Singh in Afghanistan, and now my reenlistment comes up, and I had Barack Obama as my president? Yeah, I'm, I'm probably not staying in. Uh, and that's what we, we've seen a lot of. So do you worry, you know, since, since the draft in Vietnam, we, we've had an all-volunteer force, um, and – Recruiting has led the way, getting people in, as I mentioned, people who have previously served, have been a pipeline uh, for family members who continued that legacy like yours. Are you concerned about the all-volunteer force going forward? Yeah, I mean, not so much because I, I believe – so one thing I do believe, Sean, is that this country still is – regardless of what we see in the news and, and seeing culture – this country is still full of patriots, God-fearing patriots that love this country. And we're seeing them rise up more and more right now. So some of this stuff has, has even incited a sense of patriotism. I mean, I just got back from speaking at a, at a class of a at basic reconnaissance course, which is the Marine Corps Special Operations. I've, I've been blessed to speak at the graduation for that four times now. And, uh, and to see these, these 18%, by the way, graduated this course, uh, so it's it's a very difficult course, and I could say as an old school guy, a lot of old school like special operations guys are like, oh, in my day it was it was tougher and harder. <laughs> it, it was in some ways, but now I think the programs are harder. So year long pipeline, the programs academically more challenging, physically the standards are higher, uh, and so my generation is different than this generation, but this generation's uh, it's incredible to see where these guys are, and so to say that there's still young patriots that are there are able to endure that kind of training. They're out there, um, and and I think uh, before we'd ever see a draft reinstated, uh, Patriots will will rise up uh, and and serve our country. We just we just need we just need to be pushing as Americans for better leadership. All right, guys, let me ask you a question: Are you tired of testosterone boosting products that don't work? I get it. I don't blame you. That's why our sponsor, Nugenics Total T, has an idea for you. Why don't you try it before you buy it? What a great idea! If you text two three one. 231 and enter the word Spicer, you will get a complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total Tea. Uh, it's got testophen in it, which will help you turn back the clock and become that old you, that younger you, the vibrant you that you remember that guy. Well, that's what it'll help you do. Uh, and if it works for you, great, keep going. If it doesn't, you lost nothing. You get a complimentary bottle by texting 231 231, entering keyword Spicer. You're going to get back that energy 
that muscle, that drive, that passion that you used to have. And remember, this is the number one doctor-recommended brand and the number one selling testosterone booster product at both GNC and at Walmart. They're on to something, right? People know what's happening here. But because you watch this show, you can get that complimentary bottle by texting 231-231, enter code word SPICEL. And if you do this right now, you get a complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total Tea uh, as well as the Nugenics Thermo X. Now, this is their newest and most powerful fat incinerator ever. It's got key ingredients to help get rid of that stubborn fat. And you know what I'm talking about. This is New Year's week. We've had been eating a lot of stuff. You need to get to this, right? Uh, so if you do that, you get both of these right now. Uh, this complimentary bottle, text 231-231, enter keyword Spicer. Now, remember, uh, texting enrolls you into recurring automated text messages. Consent not required to purchase. Message and data rates may apply. It is the number one doctor-recommended brand by primary care physicians based on an independent survey conducted by IQVIA 2022. So it, it's not just while you're serving, right? I think, and you touched on this a little bit, but there's a troubling report out right now that the Department of Veterans Affairs, despite having a backlog of hundreds of thousands of cases, is appropriating resources to provide medical care for illegal migrants. This is a report that came out in July from the Homeland Security Department. Um, it says that, that in 2022, the facility provided healthcare services to over 118,000 detained illegal migrants. Uh, these services amounted to a cost of more than $63.6 million, and it was expected to be even higher for fiscal year 2023. I, it, it, it does. You touched on the VA and some of the services that you guys provide at the Mighty Oaks, but this gets back to this whole continuum of service. People go in I don't think people go in because of the benefits. Sometimes, you know, maybe because it's going to help pay for college or something. But for those who got hurt, especially in Afghanistan and Iraq, to know that that care is now getting, you know, diluted because we're shifting resources to people who are in the country illegally doesn't, again, speak to what our priorities should be as a nation. Sure. I mean, and like you said, it. It certainly has to impact recruiting, uh, and, it, and it certainly has to impact the, the, especially when you talk about legacy family recruiting, right? When you, when uh, a guy like my SEAL buddy, who's, who's, you know, did multiple tours in combat, and watching his buddies not get the VA care, watching his buddies stick pistols in their mouths, and 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 go down this dark, you know, dark path without the VA care in place, why do you want your kids to join uh, the military, knowing that that's the, that's the way they're going to be treated? So it does impact recruiting, but I mean. Beyond that, to any American, Republican, Democrat, left, right, conservative, liberal, it should be atrocious to any American that we would take tens of millions of dollars, taxpayer dollars, by the way, that was allocated to care for our veterans, knowing there's thousands of backlogs for veteran cases, and reallocate that money to illegal immigrant, immigrants that, that uh, invaded our country. It, I can't think of anything that should be more that should be more consensus on than that. Like I don't understand how anyone would not know this is this is wrong. Like you don't I, take I, money I, and give to illegal aliens. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, as a priority, if you serve the nation, I mean that it's a it's a sacred contract. We 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 sort of say, hey, if you go serve the country, you get hurt, you serve your twenty. Um, we're going to take care of you. We're going to provide for your medical services. And to know that we're shifting those resources away to people who entered the country illegally, to me, 
speaks volumes about the priorities of an administration and of a country. Yeah, it's, I mean, um, it, it does. It's, it speaks to who we are and what's important to us. And uh, I mean, if we can't, if we're a nation that can't care for our warriors that defend our freedoms that we get to, that we get to live under every day, if we can't take care of those people, then, you know, we, we've lost our way as a nation. So and, let me uh, ask you this. I, 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 to stay on the topic just for a second, you're a, obviously you hang around with a lot of the really hardcore dudes that, that are special operators that do the hard work that, uh, that a lot of people can't do or don't want to do or aren't physically ready to do. Uh, there are a lot of politicians that believe that we need to employ the military more when it comes to stemming illegal immigration and protecting the border. So number one, what do you think about using the military overall? And then number two, some candidates have suggested that we use the military specifically to go after the cartels in Mexico. What do you think of that? Yeah, one, I will say that this isn't a, uh, I think a lot of people go after Republicans on this. Uh, I, I began serving in 1993 and 1994 became a reconnaissance Marine. And it was under Bill Clinton that I uh, was part of a, a JTF-6 task force to do counter narcotics missions uh, at the, on the border and into Mexico. So as, as a young, you know, 21-year-old, a 21-year-old corporal. So uh, this is not a Republican thing. This has been going on forever that we use the military to do that. Uh, so however, what did you guys do then? What did you do then? Uh, then we, we went to uh, assist the, the United States Border Patrol, who obviously can't cross the border. And so special operations units were part of this. It's called JTF-6, Joint Terrorism uh, Task Force uh, 6, uh, that special operations are built to actually uh, assist and work with the Border Patrol to, to go across the border and, uh, and intervene in drug trafficking and human trafficking. And this was back in 1994. 90, I did these operations in 94, 95, 96. Uh, so, under, you know, Bill Clinton was, was president during that time. And so uh, this has been long longstanding that the military has been involved in these types of things. However, what, what, I, what, I, what I think is more important, Sean, is that the military's the, the reason they're proposing the military is because our homeland security is not being used to do the job they're supposed to do. If mm -hmm. our homeland security was doing the job they're, they're, that our, our laws and policies mandate they do, not only as, that mandate they do, if they were just doing that, we would not need the military on the border. I mean, right now you have you have border patrol agents cutting fences, right, to let them through. You have them putting them loading on loading illegals on buses to and to go to the airports to be flown around the country. The U.S. A lot of people don't know this. The U.S. Air Marshal Service, which I I, I was a, I was one of the first U.S. Air Marshals uh, after 9/11. The U.S. Air Marshal Service now does not fly any flights uh, focused on terrorism. The only things the U.S. Air Marshal Service does they do two things right now. The U.S. Air Marshal Service is down on the border. Uh, and the other half of the U.S. Air Marshal Service is, is appointed to January 6th identified people that, that are flying around the country. That's, so that's when I fly, just, just so I'm, I want to be clear for, for my own edification, but also for everyone that's listening, I, I fly in and out of Reagan National Airport all the time because that's very close to my house and, and it's convenient uh, in terms of where I generally go. Are you telling me, I always assumed that there was a pretty good chance that there was an Air Marshal because it was DCA on a flight coming in or going out of DCA. From what I just heard you say, there is not a single air marshal that's on any of those flights. No, I'm not saying they're not on any of those flights, but if they're on those flights, they're not on those flights allocated to to, to follow terrorists or uh, they're on those flights allocated to be flying for January 6th persons. 
people there's so and this is this is uh by the way uh not a conspiracy the the president of the federal air marshal services uh i can't remember the name of the organization the their uh their like union type <laughs> personnel the president i'll send you the link to it but she she publicly has made this statement and and letting the american people to let the american people know what's going on there's a list of january 6 persons people that flew there maybe for a job interview whatever and if they're on that list that's who the federal air marshal service is allocated to flying to uh, but but again, so it goes back to my question though, that, that if that person was not on that flight, they wouldn't be on it. That's right. That you are right. Yeah. So yeah. if I it's see amazing. an air marshal on the flight, that means that somebody from January six is on my flight. It's probably you, Sean. They probably following you. <laughs> uh, well, that would be a complete waste of resources. Yeah. Um, but the whole thing is a waste of resources, right? I mean, these are people who went to exercise their, you know. And, and cheer on their political candidate of choice. Uh, that's why they went there and then they go there to end up some, you know, plot for January 6th to overtake the Capitol. Even, even those who maybe did do something right or wrong, whatever, but that's, they didn't go there for that. And they're being, you know, that's where a resource being followed. This is a, you know, this is a, a misuse of, of our, our government resources yeah. to protect the American people. And uh, so when you ask that, that goes back to asking your question, do you need the military on the border to protect our borders? If we need them, then of course that's what we choose them for. But I don't think we need them. I think we just need to let our federal agencies do the job that they're mandated to do. Right. Um, let me let me end by by asking this. Um, I know that you've done some great work. You mentioned the Air Marshal. You've served in the Marine Corps. You the work that you guys are doing at Mighty Oaks. I mentioned at the top of this, you had an announcement. Uh, you've mentioned your previous works that you've written about. W tell us about what you what you've got in store coming up. Yeah, so it actually, it's the first place I'm going to announce it. So, um, uh, Mission Without Borders is the name of uh, my new book coming out, and it's about uh, my time in Ukraine. And uh, before people start flipping out about me being in Ukraine, I've got all the heat. Like, why are you in Ukraine? Zelensky's corrupt, and yes, I agree. Zelensky's corrupt, uh, and so is President Biden and every other politician. Almost since the beginning of time, uh, you know, I don't, I don't agree with the hundreds of billions of dollars going there. Uh, but what I, uh, but I'm not there for President Biden. I'm not there for Zelensky. We went there to help people who can't help themselves, and we were very blessed and privileged to be able to help uh, rescue people. We were able to uh, help, uh, like Benjamin Hall. We were, we were part of the rescue of getting Benjamin Hall out when he was uh, oh, a the, the Fox News reporter. Yeah, yeah. So we tell that story. I tell that story in there uh, myself and seven. Other former special operations veterans went in to get Benjamin Hall, recovered the body of uh, Pierre, uh, Pierre, um, and uh, and then we've been at, we helped a lot of other people, including bringing our spiritual resiliency program from Mighty Oaks to the uh, military of Ukraine, the, the civilian fighters that are protecting their women and children and fighting for their freedom. Uh, Mighty Oaks, uh, uh, Ian is sitting here in the office right now. They just went, my son Hunter, and, and trained thirty chaplains uh, through our Mighty Oaks program. And so we're there helping those people that can't help themselves. The book Mission Without Borders tells a story of, of kind of more of a story along with me with my Afghanistan veteran Marine Corps son going into this and me saying, that's right. dad, you're sitting on the sideline. And by the end of it, he's ne neck deep into, you know, being two hours past the Russian lines with me, uh, which is a crazy scenario to bring your son in a place like that. And, uh, and how God just uh, orchestrated this, you know, whole transition of my heart to move from faith to fear. The book is Mission Without Borders. When does it come out and how can people get it? 
comes out in September, but it's up for pre-sale right now on Amazon. And as you mentioned, Sean, pre-sale orders on books help us tremendously to be able to get this book out to as many people yeah. as possible. And uh, we want to be able to do that. Yeah, I was talking to Chad before he started this interview. Getting those pre-sales up really sends a signal to the other bookstores uh, that the book is doing well, got a lot of support. So your purchase, your pre-purchase, going to Amazon and getting Mission Without Borders really will help juice the orders for Chad from these other bookstores and and make it a huge success. And lastly, just tell us about where we can go help the work that you got to do at Mighty Oaks. Uh, MightyOaksPrograms.org is a website. You know, before I talk about helping us, uh, I want to speak to the, the the military community and the first responder community. Uh, if you're struggling, you don't have to struggle alone. You don't have to do it alone. Uh, we're here to help. We do uh, programs. Our programs are free. Uh, we pay for even travel. So go on the website and register for programs. Any active, any military service member, uh, present or past spouse or first responder is uh, will we'll take care of you. Uh, and secondly, we do that for free for them because of the support of a grateful nation. And so anyone support that, we're a 51c3 tax deductible nonprofit. Uh, we do about eight, uh, seven to $8 million a year in programming for free to our troops. Uh, wow. And we definitely need the support. It's a great organization to support. Uh, we're definitely uh, non-clinical, yeah. faith-based, uh, peer-to-peer mentoring and, and do a phenomenal job. So, Chad, uh, I, congrats, yeah, congrats on the books and all the great work that you guys are doing at Mighty, Mighty Oaks. Uh, thanks for being with us today. Ladies and gentlemen, please try to help uh, support the book and the organization, all the work that they're doing. Thanks again for all your support of the show. Continue to subscribe, hit that notification button, give us a five-star review on Apple. We've got a great show for you this week. A lot's happening in the political world. We'll be back here tomorrow on The Sean Spicer Show.